Well, hey, everybody. I'm uh, here with Chris Winkleman. And uh, Chris, thanks for spending some time with us today. Very welcome. We started getting to know each other a little bit because I came to you for uh, some health advice. And you, uh, you've you been kind of a health nut for a while now. Tell me a little bit about that. My fitness journey, if you will, started pretty early in my life. I Probably at age 12 or 13, I was always very active in sports. And I was a wrestler in high school. And uh, uh, in college, I kind of continued that on. Uh, lifting weights and things, but um, as I got older in my adult life, I've I've made it you know a discipline in my life, where it's a it's a big part of my life now. I, I try as much as I can to exercise and eat the right way and get a good night's sleep, just so I can you know preserve my health and, and maintain the quality of life. Your your relationship with God really ignited in a new way when you started coming to Grace. So talk a little bit to me about what that was like for you to come to Grace and kind of find that relationship with God. When I went uh, for the first time, it was much different than the church that I attended growing up. Um, and uh, the, the more I heard and the more people I met, and it was very awkward at first, but uh, the more that I um, gave it time and, and learned about the church, the more I really, really liked it and the more I got to trust the people around. And um, yeah, and then I formed that relationship with Christ and uh, you know, it's been things ever since. Yeah. So how would that relate to, um, like your interest with health that happened really early, mm -hmm. and this, this interest with uh, a relationship with God came like later, yes. but how, does, how do those journeys intersect? Because there's a, there's a lot of similarities in the way that you describe it for you. I think so. Uh, a lot of people like you that, that ask me for health advice, um, a lot of times they say they are interested in being fit or they're interested in feeling better. Um, and I always ask, are you interested or are you committed? Um, and I think there's a pretty big difference. All of us would be interested in being healthy and fit. Um, not all of us are committed because it takes work and it's hard. And, um, but it, um, I think that is how, how it, what I would also say about my relationship with Christ. So there might be some other people that might be at service this weekend or hearing this that are that were in your your shoes and they're investigators. They're interested in spiritual things and we're interested in Jesus. What what advice would you give to somebody like that? Um, much like exercise, uh, I would say give it time. It, it's not going to happen overnight and it doesn't happen quickly. I, I would say give Grace Church or get, you know, give your relationship with God. Give that a chance. Ask the questions. Do, do the research and, and challenge yourself and at least answer those questions. At least uh, if you're going to strike out, strike out swinging. I mean, you, you want to at least give it some effort and, and energy and commitment in your life. So your Bible training, involvement in relationships, you're also putting yourself out there, getting to know people, yes. them getting to know you, yes. kind of all that, and mm -hmm. serving and just yeah. being a part of the community. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Chris. You're very welcome. Yeah. Appreciate you spending this time with us. Absolutely. Welcome to Grace, everyone. It's good to see you this weekend. My name's Jeff. If I haven't met you before, I'd love to meet you and say hi to you after services. Welcome everybody watching online. It's good to have you with us as well. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we're starting uh, another chapter of a conversation that we've been having for a while, uh, a new series that we're calling Live Differently. Uh, we've talked about um, a good kind of weird. We've talked about see differently, and now we're going to talk about live differently. And throughout this conversation, over the course of the fall, we've been saying there's a lot of noise out there about what it means to be a Christ follower. A lot of people that would say that they're a Christian, a lot of things would have the Christian kind of title thrown on it. Even the idea of church, a lot of things would be called a church, and yet we might look at it and say, mm, I, I don't agree 
agree with that, or I don't even want to be associated with that, or that's not what I understand the Bible to say. And so what we've done is we've just kind of taken some time and said, let's press in deep, uh, go to the Bible, God's Word, understand what a true Christ follower is, and then put that in as our benchmark of what we're going to go after and ask God to do in our lives. So we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, If you haven't been around or if you want to catch up, uh, you can go out and grab our app. In fact, if you want to do that now, you can. If you go to the app store, search Grace Church 30. Uh, You can grab the app. At the end of the service, uh, we have a discipleship assessment we're going to encourage you to take. So if you get that and open that up now, hit the Bath Campus, uh, you can uh, take notes there and follow along and then take that assessment as well. So we've been in this conversation, and the last series, See Differently, we were talking about how our worldview changes, right? And how I'm going to start to see things the way that Jesus sees them. That's my goal and my desire. And this series, we're going to talk about Live Differently, where these actually become changes in my life, right? Uh, what Chris was saying, there's a big interest, a big difference between it being interested and being dedicated, right? And so we're looking and saying now that there's a point that if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, some of the hallmarks of being a follower of Christ are going to be that my life is going to show up differently. I'm going to embrace different things, kind of my life codes and my goals and my values are going to be differently, and I'm going to have those defined and directed by Jesus, and I'm going to look to implement those things and weave those things into my life. And a true Christ follower is one who wants that, that they're looking for it, they're engaging it, they're asking how. The Bible calls it working your salvation out with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that I'm earning my salvation. It means I've received it, and now I'm kind of like, what does this mean, right? It's a lot like getting married, right? So I get married, I'm like, oh man, now I'm married. I got to figure out how to get married. It's a lot like getting a puppy. Like, I got a puppy. Man, now I got to have a puppy. It's a lot like any kind of thing in my life that if I'm going to make make a decision to go into it. It can be the right decision. It's a good decision. It's a wonderful decision. And then it's going to bring about life change. It's like having children. Having a kid and raising one are very, very different things, right? And so as all of that plays out in my life, I'm allowing it to affect my life. I'm allowing it to change my life. And I'm asking God, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? I want to live my life differently. Now, as a Christ follower, what we would say is this. A true Christ follower, somebody who really wants to be defined and directed by Jesus Christ and is looking to put our life under his authority and his direction, we're going to go to the Bible. And we're going to look at the Bible and say, the Bible is going to be the place where God is going to reveal his mind, he's going to reveal his heart, and these instructions and directions and understanding of how he would want me to live are going to come from God's Word. We're going to see the Bible as much more than inspirational words or motivational words. We're going to see the Bible as the very words of God 
that these words have been given to us by God. They've been protected by God. They're inspired or they come from the, the mind or the heart or even the mouth of God is the way that you would think about that. That mankind didn't make things up, but that the prophets spoke as the Holy Spirit directed them. And so when we think of the Bible, we don't think of it as just an ancient book or a motivating book or an inspiring book. We would look and say, if I want to know God, I need to know the Bible. If I want to understand God's heart and mind, I need to, I'm going to learn that the most clearly through the Word of God. And so how I approach the Word of God, what I draw from the Word of God, isn't just kind of thoughts for me to consider or another option to put on the table. I'm going to take what God says in His Word. I'm going to seek to enact that and enable that in my life. And I'm going to allow those things to guide me and direct me as I live the life that God has called me to live. Now, there's a, a bunch that we could talk about in this. In fact, there was so much that I can't cram into one conversation. Actually, in the app, in the Grace Church app, uh, when you go to the, the sermon note part, I actually put in related messages. So there's two or three other conversations that we've had here at Grace that are going to fill in kind of different aspects of this conversation about what the Bible is and why you can trust it and its historical references and all those kind of things. Encourage you to look into those if you're not sure about them. But for this weekend, I want to talk about this idea that we engage the Bible, we embrace it, and then we align ourselves with it. We actually allow the Bible to change us because we believe that we're hearing from and being directed by God himself. Now, one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible is 2 Timothy 3.16. That'll be up here on the screen. And this will give us a foundation of how a Christ follower would view the Bible. So Paul says this to Timothy. He says, all scriptures God breathed. That means all scripture comes from God. That God worked in the prophet's heart or in the writer's life, kind of instructed them and led them as to what they were right so that we could have the heart and mind of God. And because we believe that the Bible is God breathed, that it came from God, we then would believe this, that in our lives, the Bible is useful the Bible isn't something that I just consider or look at or, or kind of inspired by or put it on a t-shirt or something like that. We would say it's actually useful for me to live differently. The Bible teaches me how God would want me to live. The Bible might rebuke me. That I might run into something in the Bible that might come smack dab in the face of what I'm doing and say, you should not do that. That is wrong. Uh, the Bible corrects me. Uh, sometimes when I'm living life, I just don't know what the Bible says. And that's the idea of correction. I'm living life the way that I was kind of taught to live life. I interact with God through the Bible, and then I know like, oh, I should be living this way. Instead, it corrects me. And it trains me in righteousness. It teaches me how to live the life God has taught me to live so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, so that the Christ follower knows how. The Christ follower knows what. The Christ follower knows 
where all of that we would glean from the Bible and we would understand it that way. So we would look at the Bible or God's word is often how we would call uh, what we would call that. We would say, no, it's, it's way more than a coffee mug verse. It's way more than a, a tattoo for the gym. It's way more than those things. We would look and say, the Bible is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It guides me. It steers me. It's where I download the heart of mind of God into my life in a very practical and a very real way. Now, Part of the reason why this gets confusing in all of the noise that's in our culture right now is because the Bible sometimes is thrown around and sometimes is very discredited. And so if I'm here and I'm thinking, should I, am I hearing from God? What should I do with this book? I'm going to hear a bunch of different voices in our culture saying a bunch of different things to us. By the way, that's nothing new. There's nothing new about that. That's been that way since the time that the Bible was first given. But it's something that you and I are going to deal with, just like every other follower of Jesus Christ has dealt with it. We're going to deal with these competing ideas about what the Bible says and the value of the Bible. For most people in our culture, the Bible is perceived as irrelevant. If you look at the 7 billion people on the planet, the vast majority of them are going to look and say, that book is just like the Koran. That book is just like the Hindu scriptures. That book is just like the Book of Mormon. It is one of many sacred books. And so you don't, you don't really worry about it. Maybe there's a couple of you know, cheeky things in there you can say or good quotes that you can have in your life. But you, don't, you would never approach the Bible as like God is talking to you. That's probably the biggest opinion out there about the Bible. There's also some opinions that are pretty prevalent where people would be aggressively pushing back against the Bible because the Bible is rebuking them. They're living a certain way or they're making certain decisions or they're aligning their life in a certain way and the scripture's doing what it's doing. The Bible is disagreeing with what they're saying and so they'll, they'll fight what the Bible says and they'll say, well, this is, this is old-fashioned or that's a cultural statement or that doesn't apply anymore. Don't you understand? How in the world can you be so old-fashioned and so traditional that you would still govern your life by this book of superstition? right? And so that conversation is out there in our culture a lot of times. For other people, for a lot of people, and actually a bunch of people that would kind of think of themselves as Christians or think of themselves as churchgoers, uh, when they look at the Bible, they look at the Bible through a self-benefiting lens. So I would go, if I'm having a really hard time in my life, that's when I would go to the Bible, and it would comfort me or it would help me. Uh, maybe I need to be inspired. I have some goals and I have some dreams. I have some life outcomes that I want. So I'm going to go to the Bible for that and I'm going to find verses that reinforce me doing what I want to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by that I mean I can finish this marathon or I can get an A on this test or all things work together for the good of those who love God. And by that what I mean is everything comes out in the wash and the sun will come out tomorrow. And so we'll kind of interact with the Bible in an inspirational way. And you'll hear that a lot, right? 
You'll see that on TV a lot. You'll hear that on the radio a lot. You'll see that tattoo out there a lot, right? It's, it's amazing how some Bible verses were inspired from, and then others we would have nothing to do with. Nobody ever gets the tattoo where Jesus says, people will hate you because of me. You never see that down somebody's arm, right? So we'll kind of pick and choose, and if the Bible comforts, that's great. If the Bible inspires, that's kind of great, and I'll interact with the Bible that way. And I would say another big kind of a, a, a heavily predominant view in our culture is that when people think about the Bible, they think about it as a to-don't list. What the Bible tells you is what not to do. Don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do the other thing, and don't... And that's their interaction with God's Word, that they would look and say, yeah, the Bible, the Bible is just kind of the cosmic killjoy, and it tells you all the things that's wrong with you. It's used to judge people with, and it's the to-don't list, and that, uh, that the church pulls out to correct your lifestyle or to get you to behave in a certain way. For the Christ follower, we would view the Bible very differently than that. We would certainly say that there's comfort in the Bible, 100%, right? Uh, my, I'm, one of my dearest friends lost his mom this week, just, the other, just a couple days ago. And we were quoting Scripture back and forth. I was offering him God's Word as comfort, and it was comforting. So we certainly would believe that the Bible is a place of comfort. And we certainly would believe that the Bible is a place of inspiration, Right? There's times that we need courage, we need inspired, and we need perseverance, and, and so we'll quote the Bible back and forth to each other, and it, it is certainly all those things. And there's some to-don'ts in the Bible. Sure there is, right? But we would look, a true Christ follower would look and say, that's not the whole picture of what's going on. Uh, that's not the whole heart of God or the, or the, whole, heart of, or the whole mind of God. That when we look at the Bible, we would look and say, when I see God's Word, it is something that I'm going to find the heart and the mind of God through. It's not just what I want to find or what I don't want to find. It's not just the things that inspire me and make me happy. It's the things that teach me, rebuke me, correct me, and train me in righteousness. See? It's kind of all the above. We would look at the Bible and say, the Bible is something that I bring into my life and it shapes all of my life. It's something that I respond to in every way. And as I respond to God's word and I embrace it and I enact it, it's going to cause my life to be lived differently than my life would ever be lived if God's word wasn't a part of it. So a true Christ follower is going to look and say, whatever God surfaces in the Bible is what I want to lock on to. Whatever God brings to my attention in the Bible, if he's, if he's teaching me something, great. If he's rebuking me, I'm going to accept that rebuke. and I'm going to repent of that sin. I'm going to change. If he's correcting me, if I just didn't know, like, I didn't know. I, I, never, I was never raised in a healthy marriage. I was never raised in a good home. I didn't know you're supposed to live that way. I'm going to allow the Bible to correct me in that way. If it's training me, then great. This is when Jesus says, or the apostles say, this is what you do. You do this instead of this. Oh, I'm looking to find those things, glean those things, weave them into my life, and actually enact them 
in a powerful way to bring about life change. I want to embrace the Bible. I'm eager as a Christ follower to align my life with the Bible. I'm eager as a Christ follower to to know the heart and mind of God. I'm not going to go into this argument with God's Word. Here's the 15 reasons why that won't apply to me or I'm not doing it. Instead, as a Christ follower, I receive the Word that God plants in me. That's a Bible term. I humbly receive it and I begin to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I begin to go about the process of understanding how do I live differently than I did before. Now, I wanted to kind of put some skin on this for you guys. So I was thinking about who in the Bible interacted with the Bible the way that I think God would want us to. And my mind jumped right to King Josiah in the Old Testament. So if you got your Bibles, open them up to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. It's page 270 in those Bibles. And all this is on the app at Grace, Grace Church 30. 2 Kings chapter 22, page 270. And let me just frame this up a little bit for you, and then we'll, we'll look at this passage. So Josiah is a famous king in the Old Testament. Uh, He's famous for a bunch of reasons. So let me just give you a little bit of a context. Josiah was was the son of King Ammon and the grandson of of King uh, Menasheh. And King Ammon and King Menasheh, that would have been his father and his grandfather, they were kind of famous in the Bible for being wicked kings of Israel. So in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is kind of the, a group of people that God worked with in a special way. A bunch of the Old Testament is about them. And so they, they were, these were kings, and in the Old Testament, the king's job was not only to kind of rule the kingdom and to protect the kingdom, but also to uphold the law of God. How what we would say today, enact the Bible or the parts of the Bible that they had. So King Ammon and King Menasheh were Josiah's father and grandfather. King Menasheh was a guy that was famous for enacting idol worship in the temple of God. So in the Old Testament, Israel built this beautiful temple that was dedicated to the God of the Bible, right? King uh, Menasheh was the guy who brought in all these other gods, And he made it this place where you could worship this God named Baal, you could worship this God named Asherah, you could worship the sun God, just all the other gods. And he literally converted the temple to this temple that was to all of these other gods. He died, his son Ammon was put onto the throne. He continued this practice, kind of inviting this idol worship into God's chosen people. His son Ammon was uh, assassinated. The temple was destroyed in that process. And King Josiah was made king when he was eight years old, right? So at eight years old, he takes over the kingdom and he begins to lead Israel. King Josiah starts to, uh, to grow and get older. And about 10 years later, when he was 18 years old, he enacted a vision campaign uh, for the nation of Israel to remodel and rebuild the temple. So he raised money, he got the supplies, he set the project in motion, and as they were remodeling and rebuilding the temple, they're literally like picking up the beams and stuff that had been, uh, that had fallen down when the temple was destroyed, and his main advisor, one of his high priests, finds the book of the law, or what we would think of as part of the Old Testament 
when he finds part of the Old Testament, he brings that to Josiah. And what Josiah does with this part of the Bible that's found here in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23 is a great model for how a Christ follower would respond to discovering truths that come from the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2, Josiah is introduced to us, and the Bible says this, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He walked all the way of David, his father, David, his ancestor, and he did not turn aside from the right or to the left. He starts this vision campaign. The book of law is discovered, and it's brought to him and Josiah sets out a great example for you and me about how we would, people who want to know God, who want to follow Christ, would interact with the Bible as it comes into our lives. This is the first thing he did. I put this in your notes for you. The first thing that King Josiah did when he found God's word was he allowed the Bible to rebuke and to correct him to rebuke and to correct him. He didn't have the Second Timothy part yet, but he did exactly what God said there. He allowed the scripture, those first five books of the Old Testament, to rebuke and to correct him. Look at what happens. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes, okay? So the book of the law comes. Remember, Josiah didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up going to church. His father was an idol worshiper and his grandfather was an idol worshiper. So this is the first time he's ever heard this stuff. So when he hears the Bible and it comes into his life, he responds to it. And when it was read to him, the Bible says in verse 11 that he tore his robes. In the ancient world, tearing your robes, and sometimes they would put on what was called sackcloth or ashes. It was a sign of repentance. Today, we might burst into tears or fall to our knees and beg for forgiveness, right? So it's a sign of contrition. It's a sign of repentance. Josiah hears the word of, the, of God. He hears the Bible. He hears the book of the law. And immediately he realizes, oh my word, we are so far away from the heart and the mind of God. Our lives are so far out of balance of what God would want for us. It caused him to grieve and to repent and to fall before God. As he's repenting, he, he wants to understand what God has to say to him. So he asks his priest, he says this in verse 13 of chapter 22, 2 Kings. He says, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of the book. They have not acted in accordance with all that was written there concerning us. Josiah reads the book and immediately, or the book is read to him, immediately realizes, man, we are, we are way off. We have invited idols into our lives. We are worshiping false gods. We are literally doing everything this book of the law tells us not to do. And we must allow God to rebuke us. Josiah, Israel, you are wrong for what you're doing. Josiah, Israel, you are in sin for what you're doing. And we must allow this book of the law to correct us. I didn't grow up knowing this stuff. 
Some of the stuff we were doing, a lot of it has just become our culture. It's become the culture of our family. It's become the norm of our society. We're not necessarily shaking our fist at God on an outward way. So we're being corrected. This is wrong. This is off base. He allows the Bible, is how we would say it today, to correct and to rebuke him. This is a great example where Josiah finds out something he never knew. He's brought face to face with what God wants and God's holiness and God's perfection. And he responds immediately to that. Instead of arguing, what this is, are you sure is there another book that doesn't say this? Instead of being defensive, well, I mean, how am I supposed to? He immediately just tears his robes. He repents. He has encountered the mind of God through God's word. He's encountered the heart of God through God's word. And it breaks his will and it moves past his mind and engages his heart. The apostle James says it this way. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25, he says this. He says, Dear, do not just merely listen to the word or don't just merely listen to the Bible and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anybody who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Look at verse 25 though. This is fascinating. It says this. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is what Josiah did. He had never looked in the mirror before. Nobody had ever told him what God said. But when the Bible, when the word of God was found and it was presented to him, and suddenly he's staring at it and it's reflecting back places in his life that need to be changed, places in his life that need to be filled in, habits in his life that are sinful, cultures in his life that aren't godly. His response was not an argument. It was not some ethereal debate about culture and language. His response was acceptance. I'm going to allow God's word to do what it does, what it's useful for, to correct me and to rebuke me. Now, after he allowed that to happen, it's fascinating how he goes on. The next thing he did was this. He used the Bible then to teach and to train. And this fascinates me. And on down in Luke chapter, I'm in Second Kings chapter 23, the story goes on, and you can read all the details if you want, but in, verse, in chapter 23, verse 1, Josiah now uses the Bible to teach and to train others. Verse 1, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, uh, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and with all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant as well. King Josiah takes this book and he 
welcomes it into his life. It rebukes him. It corrects him. And then he takes that book and he looks and says, now wait a minute. I'm in a position of leadership. I'm in a position of responsibility. I'm a king. I'm a dad. I'm a mom. I'm a big brother. I'm a teacher. I'm a business owner. I'm a pastor. I'm a manager. I'm a coach. I'm going to take what God has done in my life and I'm going to teach and to train others. I am going to renew the covenant in my life, and I'm doing this publicly. I'm letting everybody know that I'm going to position my life differently than it's been positioned before. I am then going to invite you to renew that covenant with me. And the whole nation did that. They responded to the book of the law, they responded to the Bible as they had it there in the Old Testament. This is a fascinating thing, guys. As Josiah took what he learned, he passed it to the people that he led and that he loved. A Christ follower views the Bible in, in a very different way. A Christ follower does not view the Bible merely as personal. This is important. Grab this. We do not view the Bible merely as personal. We don't look at the Bible and say it comforts only me or it inspires only me or it rebukes only me or it corrects only me. That would only be part of how we interacted with God's word. A Christ follower is gonna look at the Bible and say not only is it something that's personal, it doesn't end there, it is also the foundation off of which we would lead and influence the people in our natural path of life. I'm going to live differently, and I'm going to be public about why I would live in a different way. I'm going to allow the Bible not just to interact in my heart and in my mind, but I'm going to allow it to interact in every aspect of my life and every aspect of my leadership. A Christ father would look and say, the Bible, we're going to use the Bible to, to build our relationships off of. I'm going to look at the Bible and I'm going to look and say, how does the Bible want me to be a friend to someone else? How does the Bible govern and, under and define my parenting of my children? How does the Bible cause me to interact with this relationship even with someone who disagrees with me? What would the Bible teach me as a child how to respond to my parents? What would the Bible say to me about I'm a husband, I'm a wife, how to respond in that biblical marriage scenario? I'm not going to look at the Bible and say, this is something that I like and feeds me. I'm going to look at the Bible and say, this is something that defines me, directs me, changes me, and I'm going to bring these principles publicly into every aspect of my life. This is not me standing up on a, on a soapbox yelling Bible verses at people. Those people are just nuts. This is me looking and saying, no, I on purpose live my life differently because God taught me to do that through the Bible. I'm going to raise my children on biblical principles. We're going to weave those into my home. I'm going to run my business on biblical principles. We're going to interact with our customers that way. We're going to treat our employees differently because of what the Bible teaches us about those things. I'm going to, I'm going to allow the Bible to define the teachings of the church. 
if all the church ever does is comfort and all the church ever does is inspire, if it never rebukes or corrects, then they're not using the whole book. So we're going to allow that to define. It's going to show up literally how we interact with each other. When I think about how I approach school, I'm going to honor my teacher. I'm going to do my math homework as unto the Lord because the Bible taught me to do that. I'm going to coach my, these guys that are on my team. I'm going to coach them as the Bible would teach me to interact with someone who's under my authority. Them becoming godly people or men or women of character is going to be way more important to me than my record at the end of the season as the coach. The Bible is going to integrate into every aspect of my life. It's not just something that it's given to me. It's something that I then take as God teaches me and trains me, I then would take and teach and train others. I would cause it to be the foundation of all those relationships. And that's exactly what Josiah did. He looked at the people that he led and that he loved. His leadership position was that of a king, right? So he looked at the people that he led and that he loved and he said, you know what? I'm inviting this into my life and I'm inviting you to allow this to affect you as well. The last thing then that Josiah models for us is this. Because of all this, he allowed the Bible to correct him and to rebuke him. He allowed the Bible to teach him and to train him. And because of this, the outcome then was that he lived differently. It set his life up in a different way. When you look at verse 4 through 21 here of chapter 23 of Second Kings, you'll see it play out. I won't read it all for the sake of time, but you can. He starts to enact real change in real ways with those that he led and those that he loves. Now remember, he's a king, so he has a lot of leeway nationally, but I want you to see this. The king ordered. He looked and said, I found the book of the law. This is what God says. Now we actually have to start ordering things. We have to live differently because of what we found. The king ordered in verse four. He ordered that, uh, that, that they remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asher. Those are false gods. Verse five, he did away with the idolatrous priests, those who were leading those worships. He wouldn't let them be there anymore. Verse six, he took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord. He cleansed it so you couldn't even worship anymore. Verse seven, he also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord and the quarters where women were weaving for Asherah. Verse 11, he removed from the entrance of the temple of the Lord the horses that the king of Judah had dedicated to the sun. He just goes on and on and on. It's real, physical, tangible difference between before he interacted with God's word and after he interacted with God's word. Verse 21, the Lord, the king gave this order to all the people we're now, we're going to celebrate the Passover to the Lord our God as it is written in the book of the covenant. Verse 25, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. When Josiah saw this, he looked, he says, I have to change. I've interacted with God's word and God's word did what it does. It rebuked me. It corrected me. 
I have to change. I interacted with God's word. It did what it does. It, it starts to train me and to teach me. And I'm taking that and I'm giving it to those that I lead and that I love. I'm inviting you to be a part of it. And we're going to start structuring the daily function and the culture of our lives differently. The whole culture of Josiah's home and his influence change, and he literally introduced new traditions and new practices to people who had never been exposed to them before. Listen to me, guys. When we interact with the Bible, it is to cause real life change. And when it doesn't, what we have done is what the Apostle James says, we've looked in the mirror and we walked away unchanged. When I interact with God's word as a father, as a boss, as a wife, as a big brother, as an aunt, as an uncle, just fill in your blank. When I interact with God's word and it confronts me about certain things, when I interact with Ephesians 4, about purity and not a hint of sexual immorality and that none of that is to be a part of my life as a Christ follower, I can't just watch every movie I always watched before. When I interact with God's word about forgiving as I've been forgiven, that there should not be a, there should be no bitterness or slander or malice as a part of my heart because it's not a part of Christ's heart and he cleansed it from mine. I can't just interact with my ex the way that I've always interacted with them. When I read God's word and it tells me to honor my father and mother as unto the Lord, you know what that means? That means I respond to my mom and dad as if God himself is speaking through them. I can't just have the same lame attitude that I've had toward my parents. I interact with God's word and it says, those of you who are rich should care for the poor. I, I can't just approach my finances the way that I've always approached my finances. When I interact with God's word and it says, if I do not honor and serve my wife, God will not hear my prayers. That's in the Bible, fellas. That has to change my marriage somehow. See? And we could go on and on and on and on. If I, if I hear God's word and I read God's word and it's going to do what it does, it's going to correct, it's going to rebuke, it's going to train, it's going to teach, it, it will not return void, it says. It's going to do what it does. And if I walk away and there's no cultural change in my life habits, no cultural change in my dorm room, no cultural change in my dating relationships. No shift in my mind. If I never live differently, well, what does that say about my heart? What does that say about my eagerness to know God? What would that reveal about my passion to be who Christ has called me to be. Because he literally speaks to me through the word of God. It's divine. It's inspired. It's authoritative. It's complete. It's inerrant. It's preserved. It's 
And sometimes when we talk about the blessings of the Christian life, they're talked about on TV a lot, like that's just God giving you whatever you want. And what we often forget is the blessings of the Christian life are a direct result from allowing ourselves to be changed by the word of God. And those of us who see it and accept it and take it in, that's what the Apostle James says, those are the people that will be blessed in all that they do. But those who walk away, they hear it and know it, but they don't really care. When Josiah found God's word, the Old Testament part of it that he found, it, it was... It was a life-altering thing for him. And the scripture, there was none like him before or after. He turned to the Lord with all of his heart, his soul, and his strength. And he set an example for us of how we should live. Guys, when you look at God's word and you start to read God's word and understand God's word, I would encourage you to think of it this way. I, I, would, I would, first of all, I would look and I would say, let me just start with the obvious stuff. Like when I, what, Jeff, how do you do this? Well, just start with the obvious stuff. Like what? Like, like uh, here's one, thou shalt not murder. That's a good one. You should go with that one. Get that tattoo. That's helpful. Okay, so there's obvious stuff in the Bible. Easy peasy, right? Uh, thou shalt not lie. Super easy stuff. We all know what it means, right? So you start just enacting that stuff. After you kind of grow in that and weave that into your life a little bit, what you want to do is you read the Bible and you start to find the implied truth that comes through example and story, right? So Jesus is a lot like this. You read Jesus's life and you're, you're not going to be able to do his miracles because you're not God, but you're going to be able to live with generosity. You're going to be able to have compassion toward this, this person over here who everybody else rejected. Uh, you're going to be able to look and say, oh, Jesus got away and prayed to the Father. Maybe I should do that too. See how that works? You start getting those implied truths because we're following the example of Jesus. And then this is what happens and this is a blast, as you grow in your relationship with God and you grow in your understanding of God's word, what happens is this. The Holy Spirit, which the Bible says comes and lives in us the minute that we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit starts to enact God's word in your life in a personal way. I, I had a friend the other day call me up and, and he told me this story about Jesus. And he, go, he goes, you know what that means for me? I was like, I have no idea. He goes, well, it means X, Y, and Z. And I thought, man, I've read that a thousand times. That's never meant that for me. But my friend, what's happened is this is his third time through reading the Bible cover for cover. And every time he goes through it, he gets more and more out of it. And now God is working and empowering his word in deeper ways than he ever thought imaginable because he actually knows what the book says. And so through the Holy Spirit, God empowered him or helped him, or the Bible would say led him to make a decision. He applied God's word in a unique way to him. It's a powerful thing. If the Bible is just inspiration, it's never going to happen. I mean, that's just t-shirt, coffee mug stuff. 
the Bible's irrelevant, you don't get any of that richness out of it, right? Because you're not even asked, you don't even care what the Bible says. If the Bible is only like, only things that we read like at weddings and funerals, but if the Bible's alive and active and, here's the big word for, for this weekend, ready? And useful. And I allow God to use it in my life. And it corrects me and trains me and teaches me. Now all of a sudden my interaction with God is different. The way that I see the world around me is different. And the way that I live will be different. A true Christ follower uses the Bible. We allow it to change us. And we seek God's heart, we seek God's mind, and when we discover those things, we enact them, we embrace them, and we eagerly allow those changes to happen in our lives. Okay? I'm going to pray for us, and uh, the band will come out and give us a little bit of space, and as they're giving us that space, if you want to get on the app and fill out that discipleship assessment, we'll kick back to you a personalized response. You can do that. If we can pray for you or help you, you can let us know on the app too. And we'd love to walk with you in any of these ways. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father and Holy Spirit, for giving us your word it's incredible that we don't, you're not a mystery. We can know you, we can understand you, we can relate to you, and, and you have preserved and protected and inspired. So thank you for that. Father, help us not to take your word for granted. We get used to it. It almost, for some of us, if we grew up in church, it's almost a a mundane thing that gets repeated again and again. But help us, God, to diligently pursue your heart and mind. You say to hunger and thirst for it. And then, God, as we do that, let us accept the rebuke and the correction and embrace the training and the teaching and uh, live differently the way that you've called us to. In these still moments, Holy Spirit, would you press into our hearts in individual ways? As we think through where we're at, we do our assessments and we pray, would you change us and lead us and guide us? Do that in these still moments. In your name, Jesus.